and welcome back to the Super Jump Podcast, a podcast where we dive deep into the art and science of video games. As always, my name is Reza, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tristan. Hello. For today's episode, Tristan and I wanted to talk about something that is uh, much more topical recently, given the release of The Last of Us on HBO Max. Um, We wanted to talk about video game adaptations, what makes good ones, what makes bad ones, and we also kind of wanted to dive a little bit deeper into some of the motivations there are for studios um, to kind of pursue these things. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I I think all of us have heard a lot of news about The Last of Us that, you know, just came out recently on HBO Max has been pretty hyped, $10 million an episode, Um, but there's also a long history of um, video games being turned into other forms of media, whether they be uh, crappy books that not many people read uh, or TV shows that many not people watch or movies that uh, are usually laughed at afterwards. And so, uh, yeah, I guess that's a real like the first real question for you, Tristan, is like, what are some of your favorite examples of video game adaptations, um, whether they be good or bad? Yeah, um, I was actually going to start by saying video game adaptations were having a renaissance but i realized like they were never good to begin with right (laughs) they they were always kind of a bad yeah you know b graded thing in the past at least when i was growing up i remember watching um sonic x on four kids i don't know if that's too old for you that's too old i'm a child Uh, uh like kirby had a tv show back in the day these are more anime like there's also the Super Mario Brothers movie, uh, not the new one that's coming out, um, but one from the 80s. But I, I, I think those were always kind of like these things you would always have on in the background while you did something else. Yep. Whereas I feel nowadays adaptations have actually become like a real high quality thing, whether it's Detective Pikachu or Mortal Kombat or even Cyberpunk the edge runner series on netflix mm-hmm. i think those are some of my really really you know favored series and movies as of recent and and that's mostly because the quality has really stepped up since you know the 90s and the early 2000s yeah i feel like i've been jokingly referring it to it as the upcoming golden age of video game adaptations which is mm-hmm. funny because there's so many other golden ages that are happening at the same time, right? Golden age of superhero movies and all that other fun stuff. Um, but it is really interesting to take a look back at some of the stuff that's been created in the past, right before this golden age to some degree. Um, it's really funny to hear you talk about the Mario movie um, mm-hmm. because we've been making so much fun of the one that's about to come out since Chris Pratt just sounds like Chris Pratt in it. <laughs> but the old one is like so strange of a thing like i don't know i didn't i've only seen snippets of it yeah. but it's like hyper realistic uh it's it doesn't look like it's a mario movie at all it's as if they like literally just took the premise of mario and moved it into a real movie and it's absurd the fact that it was even made um i think the like broader thing is that the approach that the studios take when creating these video game adaptations seems to be changing a lot in the recent years from being something that is like fundamentally a cash grab potentially into something that's a real work of art and like a real um like can stand on its own beyond just like the video game that it that it actually originated from which is pretty interesting yeah and i think i mean i don't know if we're gonna talk about it more later but even in the production process you can see that happening whereas before yeah they just kind of like slap the name on Yep. Make it look like it. Um, another example that we talked about during pre-production last week was Battleship, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, there's, there's a I, I ship in the ocean. Turn that into a movie. <laughs> Aliens show up and then, you know, they start attacking. Whereas nowadays, and we can probably use The Last of Us as a prime example, like they got Neil Druckmann to basically co-write. Did he co-write or direct? Like he's pretty involved, right? He is. He's. I think it's him and Craig Mazin are mm-hmm. both seen as like the two that are helming the whole project. Yeah. Um. I'm sure he was involved in the writing, but I think in general he's just helping out with the direction of the show overall. Mm-hmm. Um. I think like the super cool thing is is like it, it's. I, there. I think there's a reputation for video games being like lesser forms of storytelling, um, compared to movies and TV shows. And yep. this to me seemed like the first time where the OG creator was kind of embraced alongside uh, like a very well-respected director, like Craig Mazin was responsible for Chernobyl, mm-hmm. a bunch of other really great stuff. And so uh, I think they 
it shows the amount of confidence that HBO had to elevate Neil Druckmann to that level. Yeah. And not, you know, talk down to him or whatever just because he made a video game as opposed to making like a TV show or a movie. Um, and it shows in the art, right? Like I think the yeah, show yeah. is is really honoring the original content in a way that other adaptations just haven't in the past, which is pretty interesting to watch unfold. I, I to your point, that also happened in the new Sonic the Hedgehog movies, where, you know, I think for the first one, um, they got Ben Schwartz to voice uh Sonic. They got Idris Elba to voice Knuckles, which sure. <laughs> like they, they they found Hollywood actors to voice the, the characters instead of the game voice actors. Um, but they got the Tales voice actress. Um, I believe her name is Colleen O. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce her whole last name. Um, to voice Tales in the movie as well. So I I I do like this kind of like leveling of the playing field between Hollywood and the video game industry. Yeah, and I'm really curious to see whether that uh, that practice kind of continues because um, as we've talked about, like I think there's a lot more of these coming along the way, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. Amazon has already signed for God of War. Um, and I think they signed off that they're making a Last of Us, or sorry, not a Last of Us, a, a live action God of War show coming up, um, yep. which is getting a lot of attention because obviously the game did phenomenal, both uh, the recent 2018 one and, and Ragnarok, which came out earlier this year. Um, and so this like practice of adaptations isn't stopping anytime soon like if anything it's the very beginning of it and so it's really interesting to see how that's going to unfold whether or not the original creators will be involved every time whether they bring back those actors and actresses into roles that they were previously playing in a very different capacity um it's gonna be really interesting to watch this kind of play out over the next couple of years for sure but in the meantime there has been some really good ones that have kind of already come out over the last couple of years which have done a really good job, even if they haven't taken that approach, right? So like we talked about The Last of Us. I think you talked about Cyberpunk Edge Runners. That was really awesome. Um, you watched Arcane just for this episode, right? And you played League of Legends a lot growing up, or at least compared to me, you played it more than I did anyways. What did you think of Arcane as someone that like played those games? It was great. I think for me, it was the experience of seeing familiar characters kind of in their own world which makes it interesting because obviously I'm not playing League of Legends for the story, right? When I I boot up Summoner's Rift, I'm not thinking about, (laughs) oh man, Jinx is going through this experience. I need to destroy the other team's nexus. Um, But like having hours and hours and hours, like thousands of hours into the game and seeing familiar characters, you know, in their world was was a fun thing. And I'm sure for non-League Legends gamers, there was a different draw, right? The animation's fantastic. The story's fantastic. Um, and and I heard it incentivized them to try out the game, which probably was a bad idea. Uh, but at least for <laughs> me, uh, that was one of the primary motivations for, for watching that show. Yeah, I think honestly, in a way, I almost find Arcane even more impressive than The Last of Us so far. Mm-hmm. Um, in that like the last of us show has been fantastic and i think they've clearly put their all into production quality the actors are amazing they've knocked it out of the park they've made modifications to the story here and there as needed but it it, like stays true to the original source material but at the end of the day the source material was already quite episodic and quite um storytelling as is right like yep uh, there's a very valid argument to make that this adaptation wasn't even necessary to some degree because you could just watch the nine hour gameplay video (laughs) of the recent like remake and you'd get a story you'd get like the full breadth of the story um as is whereas arcane you're taking a source material that exactly as you said isn't narrative driven at all in any way real shape or form like sure there's a lore there and there's a story there for like the geeks and the nerds that like really want to dive into it but the uh, origin of all these characters was fundamentally gameplay driven. And yep. so the fact that they took all of those things and actually turned them into real stories and real motivations for the characters was super impressive, right? Like you have Vi with her, uh, with her like arm or her like uh, gauntlet thingies, right? Like that started off as a gameplay mechanic and mm-hmm. then was turned into this like very narrative story of her getting them from, um, what was his name? What was that guy's name? Jace? No, she gets them. The, she like originally gets the gauntlets from her like father figure, the one who like adopts all the kids and takes care of them, Vander. Oh. Um, because they, you like see her using his glove things throughout mm-hmm. most of the of the show, and it becomes this like characteristic that she took on from him, and then it eventually evolves into the OG game mechanic of like these giant gauntlets. Same thing with like Jinx, right? Like with her mm-hmm. sharpshooting, it originally started off as like a game between her and 
and like her her childhood friends uh and it turns into something that's like a defining i don't know i think the fact that they took this material which originally wasn't narrative fundamentally and created a really good narrative like not just for a video game but just in general was super impressive um add on the technical qualities of the animation itself and it just knocked it out of the park for me it was phenomenal yeah sorry i'm just looking at who wrote arcane christian link and alex Yee. creative director at riot games oh interesting interesting. so they were involved and alex he also works at riot games so two creative directors at riot games that's actually really cool to hear um and similarly follows the pattern of the last of us right where the og creators are brought on it's not this thing where it's like the ip is co-opted into something else entirely yeah when you bring the people that care about this material from the ground up and have cared about it since it was a video game uh it brings like a life to the adaptations that's kind of hard to emulate otherwise yeah um just just a little bit more info before i move on so christian was a comp is a composer at riot Games, so he did a lot of the music oh very cool and then alex uh did a lot of narrative work so he wrote a lot of the background for i see like 20 30 characters on on his wiki page so he actually wrote a lot of the backstories um which interestingly doesn't include jinx or vi uh, <laughs> but yeah so they brought them on i wonder if that was true for the cyberpunk people as well do you know who was involved in with edge runners created by jafal rafal he he used to work as cdpr CD Project Red. Very cool. Do you know what as as a writer or an artist or? He was more on the business side. I'm on his LinkedIn. Um, he was the product director for Gwent, so he he made oh, Gwent. That's very cool. You know, some yeah. people would argue Gwent was even more popular than than the actual Witcher. Than Witcher. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Witcher series is really just a Gwent simulator game. Yeah. Uh, and he was the executive producer on Cyberpunk Edge Runners for four years. That show took four years to make. That's crazy. I am not totally surprised by that. I mean, like the visual quality of it was pretty. It definitely wasn't arcane amazing, but it was still yeah. pretty good. Um, and the story was was overall fantastic. That was another totally unexpected uh, knock it out of the park show for me. Like yeah. I, I watched that starting off casually, and then it, it quickly evolved into becoming one of my favorite animes because it was so well done. But yeah, I mean, to continue the thread, all these have their original companies, let's say, involved Mm -hmm. in some way. Yeah, no, I like that. What's really interesting, though, is also that they've all kind of taken like the reason why a lot of these different adaptations are good adaptations in my mind are all for different reasons to some degree. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, for example, The Last of Us and Arcane. Uh, or sorry let's take a step back um so for example the last of us took a source material that was already really great and is doing a really good job kind of executing on top of that in a in 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 a way that kind of respects the source material but is also just like a well-done show i think other shows like arcane and cyberpunk took source material that was more sparse potentially and still managed to develop that into like its own beautiful story but then you also have adaptations like sonic the hedgehog and detective pikachu and mortal kombat which um didn't necessarily take that like narr- the same narrative approach in my opinion like i don't think any of those for me personally knocked it out of the park when it comes to like oh this is like great high art but they were still good adaptations <laughs> because they were like fun right yeah, and they yeah. they still honored the source material in their own way yeah um in a way that i kind of like respect and so that like it's interesting to see how many different approaches adaptations could take mm-hmm. to being good adaptations without falling down the same trail of just being like uh, crazy expensive HBO TV shows or something like that. Yeah, and I don't know if we want to talk about it now, but that last point that you made about respecting it, but doing it properly, um, or I guess that was the first point, it's, it's a combination of one and three, uh, is very important because I feel like a lot of the older ones did not do that very well, like the bad adaptations. Yeah. To maybe cater and do a, a, a bit too much of the fan service to the player base rather than trying to actually make a good movie or TV show, which is very different from making a video game, obviously. And I I, I feel like a lot of studios have been able to get themselves out of that hole. 
Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point there about fan service. And we'll definitely dive into this bit more later on when we kind of outline for us what we think is the definition of a good adaptation versus a bad adaptation. Mm-hmm. But the worst adaptations fundamentally excessively rely on the emotions that are kind of already there for people who've already played those games and and have already experienced them, right? Like, yeah. in a way, they're fundamentally cheaper to me because you're just relying on stuff that's already there. And it feels more cash grabby. But I'm curious, like, what are some of the examples that you think of whenever you talk about this, this like phenomenon? What bad, bad examples? Yeah. Like, what are some of the bad examples that you think over rely on fan service and over rely on those uh, already existing emotions for the, in the fan base? Oh, I, I think I brought this up last week while we were chatting. Doom has to be your top one. Doom yep. with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Is it Dwayne The Rock Johnson or Carl Urban? Oh, both. Wait, Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Is it <laughs> yeah. Doom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh I I distinctly remember that game because it was so like there was so much fan service mm-hmm. and I showed you the clip where they like filmed the yep. whole sequence in first person which you know not a lot of movies do for good reason. Um and I am sure any moviegoer would have been super nauseated and confused by the entire sequence. Yeah, it was tacky. I watched it and I was like, I don't like this at all in any way, shape or form. Um, Another example that always comes to mind for me is Uncharted. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though it's a newer adaptation, um, it's like, I think everyone could watch that train wreck unfold as it was coming out beforehand, right? Like the casting choices were strange and random. Um, They didn't care about like the heart of the character. They just like took two popular actors especially tom holland who is like very popular and still is because of spider-man and all that other fun stuff um the basic plot of a heist slash treasure hunt is basically there as well but other than that the like root of the movie isn't in any way shape or form really influenced by the the video game so it doesn't really honor it it's kind of just like leaning on the fact that it's popular name with popular actors and has some like fun sequences in it and they thought that that would be enough for it to be um like a, a memorable adaptation which just failed in my opinion like I, I don't remember any part of that movie yeah i feel like this is the opposite of too much fan service right it's it's like not enough fan service if they just disrespect the original source material that much i think the thing is there was fan service but it came in the form of really superficial things so for example like one of the scenes that's really memorable from the video games is an uncharted Two, I believe, um, they're like Drake is hanging off of an airplane while it's lifting off and uh, up up into the air, mm-hmm. um, and you see him like literally trying to climb up into the airplane while it's like a couple thousand feet up in the air. They have sequences like that. There's also another sequence in the video game where he's like running from a train uh, while there's like a helicopter shooting at him in the train, and it's like another one of those big action set pieces that is really well recognizable from the video game. And they also have a scene very similar to that mm-hmm. in in the movie. And so they took these epic set pieces, and those were very directly a callback to the video games. Mm-hmm. And those, in my opinion, were very concretely fan servicey, but it lacked all of the actual like meat behind the characters that made people like the characters so much. Right? Like none of the charm was there. None of the like relationships that were formed in like Uncharted Four, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fan service was there, but it was all in the most like superficial stuff, as opposed to in like the things that people actually cared about and like the relationship between the characters. Yeah. Wait, did they not bring Neil for for Uncharted? It's so weird how Uncharted and The Last of Us are from the same studio, but the two adaptations are wildly bad, or, or like not bad, but like polarizing. Let's say. Well, Neil wasn't super involved with all four of the Uncharted games. Neil Druckmann was pretty involved with uh, the very last one, the fourth one. But Amy Koenig was the main creative director for one, two, and three, I think. Obviously, she's not at uh, Naughty Dog or involved with Sony in any way, shape, or form. And so it makes sense that they didn't bring back the OG creators. But I do agree with your broader point here, right? Like, it's the same studio. The IP came from the same place. What was the conversations behind all of this like, right? Like, right. I would pay so much money to just sit and listen to the to the like the business people that made the decision to deal with the studios and like the the people that that they picked to own this show uh, mm-hmm. this movie because that has to be the root of it, right? Like, yeah, all the 
the fact that they chose the right people for the HBO show is the whole reason why that show did well. Uh, there's a respect there that I think just wasn't there for the Uncharted shows, or sorry, for the Uncharted movie. And I'm like, how was that decision made? Like, did uh, who was making this decision? And like, what could have been if they just had a little bit more respect for the OG games? I didn't see anyone related to. Yeah, I've Naughty seen one Dog. interview where Druckmann is interviewed with Holland, but that's about it. Uh, other than the interview, I don't think there was any like Neil Druckmann comments on the Uncharted movies again. Showing they don't have Naughty Dog support on the project. <laughs> oh, that, that's, a, that's an article. Neil Druckmann, a recent quote from the writer of the Uncharted film. We know nothing about the film. Wish he'd stop implying that he has our support. Damn. Wow. That's a pretty, okay. uh, like, uh, that's pretty damning, honestly, yeah. from the creator of the original. Or, like, one of the OG people involved with the... Um, with the ip uh this is very strange and i think again this goes back to this like disdain that some people in the movie and tv show industry have toward video games right like they see it mm-hmm. as a lower form of art they see it as a lower form of storytelling fundamentally and so like they think they can do it better this is it's a similar paradigm to books right like everyone knows that there's a lot of bad book adaptations out there um and sometimes it comes from this idea of like, oh, we know this medium better than you. And so we're going to change whatever we want to change because it'll be better in the end, which just isn't true, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So when I like looked uh, and started doing research for this episode, one of the main questions that I really had was when did some of the first video game adaptations even start being made? And it's kind of shocking how far back they really go, right? Like we talked about the Super Mario's movie mm-hmm. that came out in 1993. Um, and it was pretty quickly followed by a bunch of other very well-known IPs, right? Like you had Mortal Kombat in 1995. You had the Lara Croft movies, which I think the first one came out in 2001. We talked about the crappy Doom movie that was in 2005. <laughs> um, Silent Hill, Resident Evil, Prince of Persia. All of these came out in like the early 2000s, late 1990s. I feel like the first actual good video game adaptations, which I remember anyways, those really started coming out in the latter end of the 2010s and yeah. obviously in like the last couple of years, right? Like the first one that I concretely remember is Detective Pikachu, which came out in 2019. Yeah. And you hate Pokemon. I do hate Pokemon. I mean, I, like, I don't like the video game series, but the, the, uh-huh. the movie was actually not. It was pretty fun. It wasn't yeah. was bad. Um, especially for being like a like the first of its kind and that it like it took a real attempt at telling a story mm-hmm. um and i got some big names on it like ryan reynolds was in it i think right uh, yeah i mean he played he, he was played pikachu. pikachu he played pikachu and then at, right after detective pikachu was sonic which we talked about which was 2020 and then there was a mortal Kombat movie which like was a bad movie but it was a fun movie like say what you will that was 2021 and then mm-hmm. arcane was also in 2021 and uh, when I was doing my research, there was this one article that said that according to Rotten Tomatoes, um, only nine video game TV series have received above a 60% Rotten Tomato mm-hmm. score. And almost every single one of these were made in the last uh, like five or so years. So there's a Castlevania, which came out in 2017, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dragon's Dogma, Arcane, Edge Runners, uh, Halo had a fresh Rotten Tomato score. The one Which on Paramount Plus. <laughs> the one that everyone hated. Okay. Uh, interesting. And then, of course, like The Last of Us has also been receiving like a lot of uh, universal acclaim. Um, yeah. And each of those have had like over like 90% or something like that more, um, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I I wonder, just like going back to the timing and we, we saw that Edge Runners took, what, four years, five years to produce? If you look at this timing, if all the good stuff started happening like 2017 onwards and all the bad stuff was basically late 2000s, I wonder if they learn from all those mistakes. Because I'm looking at this uh, bad list, Silent Hill, Resident Evil, Hitman. Uh, There were some uh, pretty, pretty... Some bangers. (laughs) Big bangers. (laughs) Uh, And then the studios kind of figured out that, you know, that the game studios had to be involved and all that to actually make things good. I will say they're kind of lucky that the timeline worked out for um, the gaming industry to like really, really, really pop off a lot more in the uh, 2020s and 2021s, right? Because of the pandemic. And so like, I'm sure that played a factor to some degree in how successful some of these things were, because um, one of the things we'll talk about is how much um, these video game adaptations also help the video game industry as a whole, right? 
Um, And so it probably helped a lot that these great TV shows came out and then people had a lot more time on their hand to like actually play some of these games, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, Cyberpunk, I think, hit its peak player count when Edge Runners came out, which is insane because when it first came out, the game was so bad. Um, Yeah, I feel like everyone just forgot about what a state of crap that show or that um, that game released in. Yeah, Uh, it was utterly horrible and it's still not perfect. Like I played it only this last year over the last couple of months, I think. Um, before edge runners and i was still shocked at how many bugs and other random crap that were that 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 was like broken um but even for other things like i think i saw a recent report that the last of us show has increased sales for both the remake and the remaster which came out before the remake um by like 200 Mm percent which is insane because uh i remember there was a lot of controversy over them pricing the remake at 70 dollars yeah um and i'd never bought it even though i one of the, I love The Last of Us so much, but I'm like, I'm not paying $70 for a game I've already played three times. Um, but they did, it's exactly the right decision for them as a business, right? Like they knew they were going to get a lot of people playing these games after the show came out. And why would they charge $40 when they could charge $70 uh, when the sales go up so significantly? And get away after? with it. Exactly, right? Like for a lot of people, they just see part one. They don't see the remake. They don't know what a remake is. They don't know what a remaster is. They see, oh, this looks prettier. And this is part one of part two. Uh, right. Of the two-parter, right? Part seven. Uh, part two. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, my God. Imagine that 15 years from now, they're doing yeah. The Last of Us part seven. Um, but yeah, no, there's a lot of synergies here, which is interesting, right? Like when you make good TV shows and good movies, it clearly has downstream effects on how many people play the video games. And then it's like cyclical, right? Um, mm-hmm. In a way that's kind of hard to to replicate with other stuff. Yeah, and like thinking back, like I'm looking at the late 90s movies, Super Mario Brothers, Mortal Kombat, the state of video gaming has also changed a lot over time from like arcades and, you know, not everyone had a console. So these movies would basically be like kids dragging their parents. Hey, I want to see the new Mario movie to now where a lot of adults and parents have played these games growing up. Um, And I think, well, at least Sonic and Pokemon, I'm thinking League of Legends. I'm like, I hope nobody that played League of Legends is a is a parent. Yes, it's a parent. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that game came out like 2010. Um, So. I mean, you played it, Tristan. You could be a parent if you wanted yeah, that's to be true. right now. That's true. And, and bring my like two-year-old to, to watch Arcane in my living room. Um, <gasps> I think, I think Arcane is a great show for children to watch. Yeah. Very, very wholesome. <laughs> this, this is what happens if you don't listen to your parents. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do like think a, you bring up a really good point, though, right? Like, I remember um, I saw Puss in Boots recently. And I thought it was an amazing, phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone on Twitter was like, this is what happens when the kids who grew up watching anime and sort like grew up watching uh, like really good animation decided to become Western animators. Right. Is that animation goes from like Disney and Pixar to this, which is right. like a much more active, much more like it's clearly inspired by like Eastern anime. Right. And the same thing happens with video games, right? Like the people who grew up playing these games that genuinely love them for more than just like a cash grab mm-hmm. are now making adaptations that respect the original material. And as such, the quality just jumps off uh, off the roof, right? Like it's just, yeah. is that a off saying? the roof? No, that, that means you're going down. <laughs> Breaks through the ceiling. Breaks through the ceiling. It's been a long day, folks. It's been a long day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the quality is just much better as a result, right? Because people care about the material. And when you care about the material, it, it kind of shows through. Um, which I think is a good transition into talking about what Tristan and I would say are some of the three main things that really define what a good adaptation is. Uh, so I think one of the first things we've kind of hinted at quite a bit in this call already, right, which is this respect for the source material. But one thing we'd like to add to that definition is also this idea of it stands on its own, right? Um, and like the best adaptations have a deep respect for the source material. And this is definitely like hard to measure. Uh, but one thing is that they they stand on their own. They're not trying to be a one-to-one complete uh, exact replica of what the original source material was. They take the fundamentals of what makes those games so good, which is the characters, the stories, etc., And then they're, they're good about modifying those elements to the new medium of a movie of a TV show. Right. 
Um, the core plot typically stays the same. The source material stays the same. And sometimes there are massive modifications, but all of those modifications serve the new medium. And they actually like, um, they theoretically, you could watch this piece of thing on its own and still like it without needing to have the emotions that kind of come with the OG video game, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I to me, this is the most important thing. And I would talk about The Last of Us here because we've been discussing it for weeks <laughs> and weeks now, but it's too new, so I'll pick something a little older. Like, Detective Pikachu, I think, does this perfectly, where the world of Pokemon and the games and the characters, I mean, that's been around for, what, uh, 20, 25, 30 years? The, the movie could have just been, like, you know, fan service, stadium battles, and they totally. collect badges and all that. And there was a Detective Pikachu game on the 3DS that they could have just ripped the story off of. But I really appreciated how they created new characters. Like, it's it's not like playing a game. It's not like playing Detective Pikachu. Um, but it was still fun. And I, I think they added a lot of, like, tidbits here and there that was fan service for the fans that wasn't, like, in your face. I hate when they do that. What's interesting is I think some of like the business motivators that we think really make this whole approach so uh, viable from a monetary perspective, they also just kind of naturally serve this, right? Like imagine if you're basically getting told an alternative story mm-hmm. that's built off of the core that you, that you care about, which is uh, kind of what The Last of Us have been doing to some degree, right? Like uh, no spoilers, um, but they have taken that core source material and they've done a really good job of like adapting it in a way that respects, like I said, the original source material, but making enough changes to where it still feels like it's something new. Yeah. And so what you have is like for people that watch the TV show and want to play the video game, there's still a sense of novelty in playing the video game. And mm-hmm. the same thing is true for people who love the video games and want to watch this new thing. Like for me as someone that's played these games so many times, I'm still getting something new out of watching these experiences. They stand on their own and you don't have to have the other piece of that equation for this thing to be successful. But because that approach is taken, the other part of the equation also works well. And they kind of just like naturally synergize really well together, um, yeah. which is super interesting. Since you already brought up The Last of Us, like very <laughs> I generically, I think if they did this in the 80s, right, and they did the one-to-one mapping, half half of the TV show is probably watching uh, Joel Craft stuff. Um, <laughs> and and at least for at least my experience was redoing combat segments over and over again, right? Like yep. I would say the combat segments were a bigger part of the game for me than the actual story because I, I sucked at shooting and sneaking all that. Um, but I think the TV show does a good way of striking that balance and finding a good rhythm. I guess we'll talk about rhythm next week, but um, or next month. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think that respecting while finding the right balance. Uh, is something I really enjoy from The Last of Us. Yeah, I think this is also a good segue into what we think is like a second pillar of what makes a good adaptation, which is the idea of like the changes suit the medium, right? Like um, there's going to be certain elements of what make a video game a video game that are there because of the fact that it's a video game, right? And those things don't naturally translate well to other forms of, of art, like uh, like books or, or TV shows or, or movies. And so uh, video games will often have elements that are present in their plots, less pacing, that go hand in hand with the fact that they have to be a game at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. And so like exposition is sometimes delivered in a way that suits the, the video game, or there's ways to deliver exposition outside of like word of mouth, right? Like for example, uh, Elden Ring is a great example of this, right? The narrative loading is basically screens. told... The <laughs> oh god no what i meant is like like item descriptions okay. is like a very real part yeah, of how yeah, the yeah. narrative of elden ring is told joel but- picks up a shoe and he's like this shoe was worn by blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> oh god i mean looting is a really big part of that game too which yeah. is hilarious right like everyone's joking about how they haven't seen the part where Joel just frantically upends every single shelf <laughs> in every new place that they do. That's all I did in the game half the time, right? Yeah. You're just running around like the open couch shelf. animation. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like, how unrealistic is that for him to just be like squatting and like swaddling across like a little mushroom from 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 Mario? Um, 
like you can't you can't take those things and one to one pull them over into the TV show, right? You can't have Joel reading from a book or you can't have him just like reading things out. You mm-hmm. need to adapt to the to the new medium where like narrative is told purely for the sake of like narrative where like action set pieces are maybe taken out in lieu of a slower pace for certain episodes because yep. you can actually afford that in a TV show or a movie the way that you can't afford that in a video game because you have to have gameplay mechanics. Um, and so, yeah, there's naturally going to be changes that have to happen to the original story and to the original game just because of the fact that it's a whole new medium. And so when the changes are made, they're actually done to suit this new form as opposed to just being made for the sake of change uh, for for itself. I remember when we talked about the episode where we would discuss narrative and yeah. I think one of our guest hosts commented about how he felt that sometimes video games had like a disdain for video games and that uh-huh. they just wanted to make art. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't really believe that. But I do wonder whether there are some creators that do hold this little belief in their mind of like, we actually just wanted to make movies and we actually just wanted to make TV shows. But it, they just kind of stumbled their way into this art. Into video games. Into video games. Yeah. And I'm like, how many of how many people are like that? Right. I know for a lot of like actors, that's definitely true. Right. Uh-huh. Like most of the video game actors are very open about the fact that they didn't become actors to be in video games. They became yeah. actors to be in TV shows and movies. And I can sense this thing, even with like the God of War actors, right? Like Christopher Judge and the guy that played Atreus, uh-huh. um, they, they're like very happy that they had this video game experience. And they're like, but they're also very open about the fact that when they auditioned, they didn't even know it was a video game. Mm-hmm. And when they found out, they were almost like, no, we're not going to be in a video game until they like got buy in and then uh, were convinced to do it. Um and I wonder whether that dynamic is going to change a little bit now with, with some of these really successful adaptations. Like, will there eventually be times where actors will explicitly be like, yeah, we want to be in a video game. Like, we don't, we're not interested in TV shows or movies because uh, I don't know. That's like a reach uh, for sure. Let, let's, I mean, we've had examples the other way, right? Like, I this isn't in our notes, but I think we talked about it last week during notes review of like, Willem Dafoe is in a uh, David Cage video game. He right. is. He was in um, Seven uh, Minutes Beyond or Two something. Souls. Oh, wait. He's in Beyond Two Souls. Oh, okay, okay. William Defoe um, is in another video game as well. Kevin Spacey is in a Call of Duty game. <laughs> we, can't, right? we can't talk about it. Please. Yeah, that's true. I, I guess this is the other way, but... But they are paid boatloads of cash to do that. Yeah. And they're like explicitly marketed as like, oh, we did... There, there was another one with uh, I mean, William Defoe is in it. Yeah, you're right, Reedus. Norman yeah. Reedus. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Idris Elba is going to be a Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's a that's another really phenomenal, like, interesting thing that's gonna that I'm really curious to see whether it keeps happening because it costs these studios so much money to get these big name people, and honestly, sometimes they're really bad at acting in video games. Uh, yeah, because like, it's like mocapping, right? <laughs> exactly, it's a different skill set, and Keanu sucked. I'm sorry, but Keanu, in my opinion, was not very good. Keanu, I, I feel like Silverhand was supposed to be a very, like, vengeful, angry character. But, like, I mean, I guess Keanu can do it in John Wick, but it didn't come off that way in Cyberpunk. It didn't. I think the problem is also that, like, voice acting for RPGs isn't nearly as choreographed as it is for story-driven shows. Or, sorry, yeah. for, for story-driven uh, video games. Right, like look at Christopher Judge's performance in God of War versus mm-hmm. Keanu. Uh, it's too stilted, and there's yeah. way too many voice lines for them to be able to like put their heart in everything. Right, and so you just have Keanu doing the same inflection for everything. Uh, not we've had so sidetracked, Tristan. We were talking about what three qualities make good video game adaptations. Okay, anyway, so we're gonna go back to the core point. Um, so the first two that we kind of labeled was respecting the source material but standing on their own. The second one was when changes are, are made, they suit the medium. And I think the third one is a little bit more difficult to quantify or like really tell when you're creating the content. But we like this idea of it being enjoyable for a new audience. Um, I think this is a bad way of saying that they shouldn't really rely on fan service fundamentally, yeah, right? Yeah. Like the best adaptations don't rely on the existing emotions that are already attached to the games or the source material by the people who've already played those things. The goal is that like anyone who's new to this should come into this and still respect it for what it is without needing to rely on those things. Um, which is, I think, something that's definitely true for Last of Us, for Arcane, for, for Edge Runners. 
Um, and isn't there as much for some of the more like, in my opinion, worse quality adaptations, um, like Uncharted, etc. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I was going to bring up The Last of Us again, because, you know, we've seen the <laughs> this is just a Last of Us. We're just going to call this episode. episode The Last of Us. Yeah, let's yeah. just do that. Um, because like viewership kept going up week by week. I mean, I can't I can't use that number with Arcane because Arcane just came out at the same like all of it came out at once. But yep. um, you see this with The Last of Us and like, I apologize, but not everyone has played The Last of Us like they did Pokemon, right? Pokemon has a much Oh, absolutely not. Bigger yeah. player base. So when Detective Pikachu does very well, you, you know, it's hard to tell why they watch the, the movie um, versus The Last of Us. I'm sure the bulk of the audience has never played the video game. I mean, it's the same thing the as Game of Thrones, right? Like Game of Thrones was a popular book series. It was mm-hmm. well known enough for HBO to be interested in adapting, but it was nowhere near where it became uh, where where it went as a result of the adaptation, right? Like yeah, in yeah. terms of how aware people were of it and how much of a cultural phenomenon it was, both good yeah. and bad, because the ending of that show, my God. Um, right. Yeah, like it, the same it's thing not is like happening. it was Lord of the Rings where people were begging for an adaptation. Exactly. And even then, like I would argue that a big reason for why Lord of the Rings is so well known is because of the TV of because of the movies, right? Like I think say what you will about books and video games and their merits, and they definitely will, but the reach of movies and TV shows so far is in my opinion unparalleled and the way that they drive the public conversation mm-hmm. pulling from my time at twitter um like the, i've had friends reach out to me to, just to talk about this show and none of them are video gamers they're not people that grew up playing video games and so like i think it's really cool to see the fact that these adaptations are able to bring video games not yeah. just that core ip but also other video games to the forefront of people's minds like i had people text me being like what other video games would you recommend i'm really liking the last of us um should i get a console just for this just to play this game and that really excites me as someone that just like wants people to play more video games wait wait, wait. did you recommend that they play last of us or no i want to hear this answer interesting i i did in the sense that i was like i think the game stands on its own and is still Uh a ton of fun um i want to see how the show actually finishes though to see like how much they deviate from the core material because I still would obviously like people to try other stuff as well, right? Like I always recommend God of War because it's another example of like a story-driven game that has yeah. its like wonderful emotional beats. But it's just like a more fun game, in my opinion. Like they did the moment-to-moment gameplay of God of War beats The Last of Us hands down. Like it's just a it's a more gamey game. Um, whereas like a big complaint that a lot of gamers have about The Last of Us is its gameplay, right? Like people are like, yeah. this is just boring for a lot of people um and it's not as fun that's interesting because i feel like for the last of us arcane and edge runners i would actively discourage people from playing the games that they're based off of interesting even for the last of us what's your reasoning for the last of us i I get why arcane because league of legends is a toxic cesspool yeah but um yeah i I want to hear about the last of us at least this is personally like yes watching the tv show could be stressful at times but it's like more emotionally stressful than anything but i feel i feel like the game at least i haven't played the remake yet so maybe maybe the remake fixed everything um the original ps3 version and the remaster was honestly not that fun to play and if you know the story already like why would you want to go through that again yeah i think that's totally valid um the gameplay for The Last of Us definitely has its quirks. And I think, again, like this is one of the biggest complaints that people have had for The Last of Us ages. They're like, yeah. sure, it's a story. It's a great story, but it's not a good video game for a lot of people. I disagree. Like, I think I still had a blast with it, but I'm also just like a junkie when it comes to good stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like I always recommend it anyways, because in my opinion, like a- as amazing a job as Pedro and Bella are doing playing Joel and Ellie's characters um i think the og joel and ellie are still in my opinion like they're just so good the way that the like the chemistry those characters have the way that those like voice actors bring life to these characters um the like story beats when you experience them in gameplay form are still very intense Mm -hmm. and i think it's like fun to let people experience that because it is a different style of gameplay i also think like it's a different question about like how you ease people into video gaming right like 
is it better to take a more narrative grounded approach yeah. and where the gameplay isn't as big a thing because you want people to just like try this new format before you shove them into like a what is arguably a more technically complicated game with things like God of War or God forbid you recommend Death Stranding uh, or something like that, <laughs> I right? I thought you just walk around. I never <laughs> played Death Stranding. <laughs> Death Stranding is just a weird game, right? Okay. Like I think that most people would not give that a go as a first video game. Um, whereas something like The Last of Us is much more approachable fundamentally, right? Like it's telling a story, you do some light stuff here and there. And so like, I guess it's just a question of how you ease people into video gaming as a hobby overall. Cool. So I think, I think we've laid out a bunch of different reasons for why we think video game adaptations are fundamentally a good thing, right? Like they serve the people, they get access to new stories in a new format. I think overall it's beneficial for the gaming industry and would ultimately benefit gamers in the long run as well. Do you think there are some video games that shouldn't be adapted? Or do you think all video games are adaptable in some way or shape or form? I think even from this episode, we have clear examples where some video games or games should not be adapted, like Battleship. I guess that's more a board game before a video game. But we also had like Rampage on there, the arcade game. I I think just taking familiar concepts and shoehorning it into a movie or TV show does not work. I think I think the big thesis of this episode, like the three things that you mentioned, have a prerequisite that the video game that you're adapting from needs some sort of like clear world building for it to be successful. So like Pong should not be adaptable. I, I think. <laughs> I know we always come back to Pong. Yeah, well, everything. Pong 2025 starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> Dwayne the, the Pong ball. Johnson. <laughs> As the ball. Because he has a he has a bald head. I think the one caveat I would actually give is less around the source material and more around the implication for the industry. Like I think one thing I would worry about is this is such a good business practice. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it clearly has synergies. Clearly, people who play the video games are willing to pay to watch these movies and TV shows. And clearly the people that watch these movies and TV shows are also willing to dish out extra $70 to just to play these games. And I worry that that's such a good lucrative option that yeah. it starts going down the path that like games as a service is gone, right? Like where there's great examples of that working like Fortnite. And there's also crappy examples of businesses trying to overemphasize that, right? And shoehorning it in ways that ultimately hurts the gaming industry, right? Like, I would hate for every time a video game to be considered by a studio if the question that they ask is, oh, what do we see the potential of this being adapted, right? Like Mm -hmm. if that was a deciding factor for whether or not a video game is being made or if video games that are adaptable start being prioritized over pure games that are just games, that's when I think it would be like a negative trend for the industry, which is totally a possibility, right? Like we're entering a golden age. It's very possible. Games as a service is the same thing, right? I would not be surprised if that will happen. Just looking at the trends yeah, in video games, like zombie shooters, MOBAs, uh, battle royales, like they all just ride the trend, right? Yeah, I think it's it's like not a question of of uh, whether if, it will happen. Yeah. It's like when will it happen and yeah. how far will it go, right? Like I think we've actually managed to do a good job of quelling the lo- the games as a service thing, and that like a lot of studios are realizing it doesn't work avengers failed mm-hmm. uh and hopefully that's a lesson for future marvel games to so just be nice story-driven games but like if this is the same thing going to happen to um to stories right a nice like corollary or like a parallel to this is like songs and tiktok right like mm-hmm. there has been a lot of stories about how in the in the the music industry a lot of producers and Um, folks on the business side are asking musicians like oh is this something that will go viral on tiktok and they Mm -hmm. prioritize those songs because they make more money off of them right you get more streams it's more viral naturally but that comes at the cost of just like good songs that aren't naturally viral that aren't memeable on like a 10 second stream and so you have songs that are being made that are purely for the purpose of tiktok and so in a similar vein, I think, yeah, if video games went down that trend, I think it would obviously be like a net negative for the industry and for, for gamers as a whole. Are you calling a video game recession, video game story <laughs> recession within the next five years? Is that Nowhere. what's happening? No, no, no. I think I uh, not five years, but I could see it happening in like, like seven or ten years. For sure. You're going to hear first. 
I yeah, this is my this is my video game hot take is The Last of Us will start it off and then another video game will destroy it. Every game will be an eight to ten hour narrative. Dr- it's Hideo Kojima's dream. Oh my god, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna, I'm telling you, we're gonna have the Pong remake. It's gonna be it's gonna be like a, a story of a ball that never let any walls stop it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the the subject for this this podcast subtitle episode. a ball that never let any walls stop it you want to pitch to uh netflix or sony i'm down i'll see who i can find on linkedin yeah <laughs> i think hbo hbo is the go-to <laughs> for me uh for everything they're gonna they're gonna bite pong i think i think i could do it okay I'll get started on a draft. Cool. So I, I think like I want to end this off by really saying that despite like some of the concerns that Tristan and I might share about the potential for this to go wrong, I'm personally very optimistic about this, right? Like I think as someone that's always loved very narrative driven video games, I enjoy the fact that one, we're able to like take that and adapt it into like a medium that kind of respects that narration at its like purest form, but at the same time is done in a way that respects the source material and brings like a whole new audience of people to gaming in a way that wouldn't be able to be done otherwise, right? Like I think a lot more people will start playing games as a result of good adaptations like The Last of Us, like Arcane, like Edge Runners. Um, and if this is the beginning of a golden era, I really can't wait to see what else is adapted um and and what else really comes out of this i'll be sad when it ends because i love video games <laughs> but this is a, a very exciting beginning uh i can't really i can't i i just can't wait to see where this goes honestly it's pretty exciting stuff yeah plus one as someone who usually doesn't watch too many tv shows like having these options have been have been nice right like you know being able to kind of watch something familiar or something that i know something about um has been a good break from playing video games yep um but yeah that's it for this episode folks thanks again as always for listening to us um join us again next month where we'll discuss a whole new topic altogether um but yeah thanks everyone have a good week um you can find all episodes of super jump podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, radio public stitcher and all your favorite podcast directories you can also find all Super Jump content where we honor the art and science behind the video games we love at superjumpmagazine.com. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you want to reach out for us to give us feedback or ideas, you can always do so at podcast.superjumpmagazine.com. Thanks. See ya.